uh, a couple of years ago, Skittles had zombie ones for Halloween. Do you remember that? And the flavor was quote unquote zombie flesh. So like you'd take a handful of them and it was like Skittle roulette. I mean, I don't know what, you know, human flesh tastes like or anything. They all taste like grape. <laughs> More like shittles. <laughs> 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 Welcome back, everyone, to S1E1, the show where each week we pick a different sitcom, watch just the first televised episode, and ignoring anything we may know about the future run of that show, rate it and decide if that's a show that we want to greenlight or cancel. This week we're going to be talking about Intelligence. Intelligence has gone 12 episodes over two seasons, originally on Sky One in England. Today we're talking about Episode 1, which is called Episode Number 1.1, originally airing February 21st, 2020. So to get things started, I'm Jay Gags. With me, as always, the guys, Ferg, Nick, Joe, and Gordo. What's going on, guys? Jelly Bean. Jelly Bean. Jelly Bean. <laughs> anybody bean. seen Rachel? <laughs> Did y'all have a hunch about 9-11? Do you know how happy I was when this episode just was like, anyway, so 9-11, five minutes later, anyway, so 9-11. I was like, holy <laughs> shit, it's my show. <laughs> that wasn't that much 9-11 I mean, it wasn't as much as the Leaning Tower or whatever, or Looming Tower or whatever, you know? So, but. yeah, I mean, well, for the amount of shows where Joe's brought up 9-11 versus this one where there's, like, actual reason to, I guess this is a lot heavier. There's but, always reason. But, yeah, Intelligence, before watching it for this, has anyone seen it or even knew about the show? No. Negative. No, not at all. Nothing. No, I wish I didn't see it this time. <laughs> all right so zero people have seen it uh up until now uh nick you picked it uh anything in particular that made you want to pick this one no not really i just um i just kind of wanted to randomize a selection usually i pick something i like that i think you guys would like i've never seen this i saw it pop up i'd never heard of it it's got david schwimmer in it and i wanted to see where it went all right well uh let's jump right into it so uh the opening scene right off the bat it, it says that it's a Peacock original, and that's a lie. It's not a Peacock original. It originally aired in England on Sky One. It said Peacock exclusive instead of original. Yeah. Did it, also, did it say original or exclusive? It said original. There is a way you can do, like, because when you, like, for uh, Trailer Park Boys, for instance, is referenced as Netflix original, but it was on for almost 20 years on another Same with network. Arrested Development. Yeah, yeah I don't yeah, understand so how that works. I don't understand what their metrics are for calling it a original, but apparently it's very loose. So. You, think, you think maybe they did some shows exclusively for the streaming product? Or a U.S. exclusive, maybe. You know what? The only thing, and I didn't do enough research, so and it, it's kind of neither here nor there. But so a lot of times when I'm doing like my notes to like peel it back for you guys, I'll try to find like a transcript or the script of the show. This way, if I have to like copy quotes down, I can just pull from there instead of typing them all out. And when I was reading through this, like the dialect and a lot of the wording was completely off on like multiple sites. So I didn't know if there was like a reshoot for the Americanized version that they did versus like maybe a, an original Sky One version that we didn't see. Because it was way different. So the difference is actually pretty simple. When it's a Netflix original, it means Netflix owns all the distribution rights to it at that point. So it's not being, it's not like when something gets syndicated on ABC or something like that. Okay. Uh, it becomes an ABC original. That's not how it is. Netflix owns all the distribution to it, and that's why it's now an original. But why is it an original and not an exclusive? That makes because no they bought it. sense. Because they, they bought, bought it. it. But that's not what original means. It doesn't I mean, matter. Right? It's my property. Yeah. It's what they say it means. Yeah. 
But if you own something. But it's not originally your property. Not to make this really long, but you buy something, you can claim it as your own because you are the owner. Right. Exclusively. <laughs> but, but anyways. Yeah, you but want you it. can call it whatever you want. I guess you could you could argue though it's not exclusively on Netflix because it was on another That's network at one point. So original might make more sense. But moving past that, I guess we uh, it's just like an original shot uh, of the office where they're at, and it says um, GCHQ. It's the Center for Cybersecurity. Quick description of the place, guys. Like, how would you describe this building that they work at? It's like a modern MI5 James Bond type of building. It's kind of like uh, clearly very secure and dark and sterile. Yeah. And then the, the outside shots when they're in like the hallways and stuff like that is just typical of any office building, really. Men in black without the aliens. I can see that. It's, it's very high tech. I was going to say it's similar to Ghosted. Oh, that's a good call. Yeah, I can see it being very ghost because I feel like it's like all the things we described, but with much more of a modern flair. Like ghosted. even even the cast is all just like ghosted. It's like very similar, like to the office parts when they're in ghosted. It's uh, yeah, it's like television's interpretation of what secure buildings are like. Yeah, it's it's very much like a by the numbers. Like yeah, they make them a lot more techy than they really are. Same thing with like uh, NCIS. Right, and, and to clue people in, Ghosted is a show that we covered uh, months and months ago on here, which was like a Fox show starring Craig Robinson and Adam Scott. If you want to hear that, go back into the archives and give that a listen. For a Halloween spooktacular! <laughs> I worked in a building like this before where you needed like key cards to get in through every door. There was security at the front, blah, 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 all this different stuff. But like the key card things never worked. And the only time the security person ever said a word to me or looked up was to be like, you shouldn't be smoking on the property. It's like, I think you're overpaid. I don't think you're very secure. And I think if somebody comes in here with a tank, you're running away, lady. I have to program those key cards for work all the time. They're like the ban of my existence because 90% of my calls my car doesn't mm, work key cards i can't get in this door can you give me access no you're not supposed to be in there <laughs> i love the idea of you giving them sass be like i'm not gonna fucking do it now <laughs> well uh so anyways as you go through this office we first meet uh mary tuva and joseph and they're all just sitting there working together and i don't want usually i mention a lot of the characters if there's a character that we see throughout the episode that you know by all means bring them up i just want to say this is like a weird trope and i can't tell if they're making fun of it or if they're just adding to it where like there's the weirdo girl in the office like there's the girl in criminal minds who's the hacker with all the pencils and the makeup and there's like the gothy looking girl in the other show like this show immediately jumps into like oh and here's the smart hacker girl who's like yeah i never put that together actually but it is a good point yeah do a lot of that especially in that hacker universe type thing and uh, I wanted to mention that Joseph, uh, one of the three, the, the male character, he's played by Nick Muhammad. He's actually the creator of the show, so I figured that was important to note. But uh, other than that, I don't really know any of them, like, from other things. But this is all, they're all English actors, too, so I don't really know a lot of them. Yeah, I looked up a lot of these people, and they're not in a ton of stuff we would know, but Nick Mohammed is in the newest uh, Chicken lim- uh, chicken Run movie, rather. So, when I looked that up... Limbo? I'm going to say Chicken Limbo, which is big fun, but I was thinking of Chicken Run, which is, I don't want to be a pie! I don't which want is to be a pie! <laughs> something we think about and say, so often in 2022 i can't believe it how, how often, often this group does chicken up? run come up for you i was trying to remember because i i a lot he is in a lot of stuff but like uh does anybody watch ted lasso no i've always meant to but I haven't ted lasso is great and he's in that and that's just what it was i just now looked it up but we should uh, definitely cover that for the show because it's a, a show that people seem to really love and i haven't seen it and that seems like a good excuse for us all to actually oh watch for it. sure yeah is that apple tv 
It is uh, Apple TV. Yeah, yeah I okay. think so. I think that's one of those shows that now there's so many streaming channels. Like, you're just like, oh, it's one I don't have t- the channels for. I'm not paying for it. We'll get to it someday. That's all the Paramount Plus ones. And uh, Nick Muhammad, um, I just, just to give people a visualization, um, what is he, like, Indian or, like, his descendant? He's English, but just to kind of paint this picture. Indian, Middle Eastern. And then we've already talked about Tuva a little bit. She's, um, like... She's a Asian girl that's a little alternative in her, the way she looks. Mary kind of has this um crazy cat lady look. Yeah, that's a good description of her. Like I don't know how to best describe her. Uh it's kind of gives off me that of one of the teachers from Harry Potter, but the name's escaping me right now and it's- The the first scene is the three of them all sitting there talking. And Tooth is looking for her flash drive, which um she identified it because there's a picture of a vagina on it and they're like like in it in the flash drive is a file or is it glued on top? She's like both. <laughs> Like, very odd first line of the show. This is one of those weird things where they were, like, I think trying to create some witty wordplay, and it doesn't work super well. Or it's like, the picture is mine, the vagina isn't. It's just like, it was a real who's on first scenario that just didn't work for me. See, I didn't think it missed that hard. I thought it was funny. It was just odd. I mean, I didn't think strongly one way or the other, I guess. And their boss, Christine Cranfield, who uh, goes by Chris, walks by and she just says, Sorry, do you think terrorists sit around chatting all day? Get back to work. She's a kind of a bigger role. She looked very familiar, but I didn't bother to look her up, so I'm not sure what she's from, but I have a feeling that she's probably been in a thing or two I've seen. It reminded me of M from uh, James Bond. G- uh, Dame Judy Dench. <laughs> yeah. From that little walkthrough with her, we get this kind of fast pan throughout the entire office, which kind of shoots out of the building into space, and that's when we see uh, the title of the show, which is Intelligence. Satellite. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. What's wrong with you? <laughs> and, uh, right from that intro, we uh, cut to a conference room, and it's just the same four people. The three workers and then Chris, the boss, are all together. And um, this is like the first time they do it. They do it a lot through the episode. It's this fake security camera. They're just using the camera to look like security footage. They do it a lot in this show. Uh, what do you think about that? I think it's okay in doses, but I think they overused it here a bit. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Like, I don't mind it in, like, a transition here and there, but, like, because it kept being spliced into the scene, it was really weird. I feel like digital technology has ruined a lot of things where it's, like, it's so easy now that people just lean on it. Like, it almost is like, you know, in the office when Dwight's like, here's the same picture in Matrix style. Like, whenever (laughs) I see this stuff, I'm just like, all right, and here we go. I just don't understand its use because it doesn't do anything for the plot. I Like Gordo said, I would understand if it was a transition thing because it would be like almost like superstar with the um show showing the customers doing weird shit it's but. just to be like we're cyber security it's all digital you know yeah. it's i feel i feel like it's not any different than like in the early 90s where like they would do the fake record with red button in the corner to like oh, look like yeah. handheld cams it's it's the same kind of idea the only way it would be worse if then also text bubbles came up on the screen <laughs> during it <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> And then the big show's like, my daughter doesn't want to live with me. <laughs> That's mama's text message. <laughs> this is when Chris tells them that Jerry Bernstein from the NSA is coming to work with them as like an American liaison. And Joseph seems like he's like totally excited about it. Is if like, I don't know if Jerry's some sort of an intelligence legend, but he was extremely excited at like the idea that he was going to come and work with them. And he mentions that they've been exchanging emails or were exchanging emails on 9-11. Back and forth on 9-11. That is a great email day. And Mary's instinctual question is, is he a terrorist? Like there is like, like he was just directly texting a terrorist that day or emailing. 
And then he finally comes in, we meet him, and they're playing Sharp Dressed Man by ZZ Top, so he immediately gains favor with me. I loved that scene. Yeah, at yeah. first, though, like, it when they first introduce you to the character, he's at the airport, it's like that motion sidewalk, but it's an extreme close-up on David Schwimmer's face. David Schwimmer is the one who plays Jerry. Did we say that already? I don't think we mentioned Schwimmer yet. Yeah. yeah. From Friends. So, yeah, David Schwimmer, who I would assume everyone best knows from Friends, is Ross. But, yeah, it was like this really tight close-up of his face, and, uh, yeah, he's listening to Sharp Dressed Man, and I'll say this got me. Not a lot of things, like, really made me, like, chuckle, but when they cut out from that and they show him on the motion, like, sidewalk thing, but he's just standing there with his two giant bags blocking the whole way, and there's a giant line behind him because he's oblivious to it. He's taking the walkway as a ride. Yeah, that was the the first laugh I got. Like a This good was laugh. one of the very few times I laughed on this episode. That I found and funny. It, it got me, but it also it tricked me on to like what his character was because she right before she as long as he follows the rules. So I thought he was following the rules like he was like a stickler. That's why he wasn't walking on it. He was standing, but no, nah, he's just lazy. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I was going to say, when you guys go to the airport where those are, do you guys stand on them or do you guys walk with it? You walk. Well, when I'm there, I'm going to work. So usually I'm walking because I'm trying to punch in. But it it's says, like escalators and those things that people don't understand. Walk, right, stand, left. Or the other way around. Other way around. Way around. Yeah, stand, yeah, right, yeah. walk, left. Yeah. I like stand walking right. on and nobody it feels knows like how I have super it. speed. If you ever go to like Park Street or Government Center, nobody fucking understands that. And it drives me insane. Stand on one side, let people walk by on the other. And it's a very simple concept. The ones at Porter Square in Boston, not to get too regional, but the one in Porter Square is like a fucking 20-story length one. When people don't move on it, I used to always just be like, damn just like the only time I'd ever like. Well, you're you're since elementary school. Walk to your right. Always right. walk to your fucking right. Just go around. Be like, it just makes space. If you're going to stand there, you should make space to go have people up there. If you've got bags and luggage with you, put it in front of you, not to the side of you. I will kick your fucking bag down the escalator. I do not care. I'm that asshole. Well, you just lost a bag. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to kick your fucking bag, bud. My uh, my biggest pet peeve in stuff like that is when people are walking in crowded areas, whether it be the airport or the mall or something like that, and they don't know where they are. So instead of like being aware of that, they just stop dead in their tracks, even though there's someone who's like a half a foot behind them. And then you have to like stop short so you don't run right into somebody. Yeah, so you don't just like hug them from behind out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> Good way to start a conversation, though. Might meet a friend. Hey, buddy. That's how dogs do it. They also sniff each other's buttholes. If someone stops short in front of you, you might end up sniffing their butthole. Depends on how low <laughs> yeah. the stairs you are, yeah. It works for them. From there, we cut back to the meeting, and they're all doing like a rundown of what they've been up to. And when it's Joseph's turn, he kind of like, towards the end of it, he mentions that he had been doing um like a search of the browse history of Matthew McConaughey, which is something that they kind of went back to like two or three other times in this episode. It was like just a, a weird joke. A weird joke that doesn't hit for me any of the times. Me like, neither. And I'm not trying to say, like, I don't know, this actually hits better for me than if they were like, then Shriva, the newest TikTok singer or whatever. Like, because then you'd be like, okay, you're trying to make a time and place thing here that's never going to hold up. But like, Matthew McConaughey? I think they did it because, like, they did it because he's, I don't know, like, it is random. Yeah, it's there's supposed to be like a bit of absurdity to it. Yeah. I mean, I guess he's just big enough and still doing stuff that he's like relevant to all generations which works you know he's in those stupid car commercials he was like really eager to tell uh joseph that joseph was really eager to tell everyone what was in his search history and i don't know the boss chris like didn't seem to care but he's still like this boss seems like a fucking nightmare to work for by the way yeah she's um she's just strict i mean it's a 
it's a uh, the show's like a comedy, but if you think about like where they actually work, it's a very serious job. So you probably need someone who's kind of on top of things, and she's probably seen some shit. She's Sam Eagle. It's the British way. <laughs> this is one of those things though that's probably accurate, right? Like you want to think that everything is so like I don't want to say high and mighty, but like just like tight and but you want to think everybody's fucking James Bond, and it's not that. It's this is the central office of intelligence in this country or whatever. And it's a dude having an issue getting his chips out of the snack machine. Like, that's just what these places are. And everything good that happens is usually just a happy accident, which is kind of like a terrifying realization. I wouldn't call them a happy accident. I would say that they're doing their jobs. It's just that they're normal people, not, you know, robots. Oh, I thought you were going to say that you wouldn't call them chips. You'd call them crisps. Unless they're french fries, then you'd call them chips. Chips. <laughs> then you'd call them chips. <laughs> From the chippy British. shop. This type of stuff, we want to think that it's more like James Bond than it really is. Right. It's not. It's, I mean, I'm sure there's an aspect to it. I'm oh, sure yeah. there's somebody right now with like a blowgun shooting darts into somebody and being like, three, two, one, as they fall over. And you're like, holy shit, like a movie. But at the same point, there's somebody who's like, my Sega thing on my computer is not working. And they like stub their toe and then go get, you know, mashed potatoes for lunch. Like it's not the same level. What? <laughs> Are you yeah. shutting on mashed potatoes for lunch? Because I do that often. <laughs> that was the weirdest. I Yeah, I don't. Do you have mashed potatoes for lunch? I've never had mashed potatoes for lunch ever. <laughs> I did today, actually, which is super weird. See, there it is. Yeah. Some people mashed potatoes? <laughs> no, I got one of those uh, meatloaf dinners that comes comes with uh, oh, mashed okay. potatoes. And since Nick is in charge of our current U.S. security right now, <laughs> I find this very alarming. And not to talk about mashed potatoes for too long, but I don't know if this is something that I know or something I assume. Ferg, do you put ketchup in your mashed potatoes? No, they're good on their own. All right. It seems like something you'd do. But, <laughs> I would do I would I would do it if they're those flake mashed potatoes, because those suck. They need they need flavor. I don't mind the flake ones. They're fine. They're, they're, yeah. For what they are. For, yeah. for, for they're they, lacking the flavor. They need ketchup. I've watched Jay's brother eat an inordinate amount of those flaked potatoes. <laughs> Just like an overflowing pot and he just fuck yeah, I was gonna say cooked or out of the box no, or like right. cooked, yeah. with milk on a, on a bowl like cereal not <laughs> <eat it> up. <laughs> I think it's important to note that this is the first time that they mentioned that the third floor printer isn't working because that's something that comes up maybe 5,000 times throughout the episode but in Mary's initial response is oh no but how many printers are in this building apparently one <laughs> like that's what I don't understand no, they wouldn't. Call, if, if there was only one, it would be the third floor printer. It would just be the printer. Maybe the printer. Right. Good, good call, Ferg. But that's the floor they work on. If you look ahead to the episode when they are trying to find the bathroom, you probably don't want to go to a different floor. Yeah, that's there's true. a lot of issues going from. It's a secure area, so it's probably a pain. But right around here is when they all get paged right around the same time. And Joseph's pager has like it has a ringtone to it. Like they were all pages, right? <laughs> I didn't know you could have a ringtone on a pager, but I also haven't owned a pager in 20 years. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. like, did that mean that pager technology has just gotten crazier? And then we just, like, whoever uses them, like, if you're a doctor, you have a pager that's like ringtones and crazy you stuff. You could do songs on our old uh, GTE ones. They just, they, they were monotone ones, though, whatever they're called. Like, And now you can use Asarage by Lost Ketchup. <laughs> Last ketchup on your mashed potatoes. That was uh, that's a song that Joseph had as his um page of ringtone. Oh, okay, well, that was the song. You looked up the song, huh? So who? Yeah, that? yeah. I just they used to give me shit for putting ketchup on my uh, potato chips, and now they make ketchup chips. Ketchup on potato chips is good. I don't know if I've had that. I like the ridges, and I feel like that might hold in too much ketchup. No, you just gotta like like a little dip, a dip, a little dip. 
A little I, I know we have these conversations all the time. So we always do like favorite flavors or whatever. When it comes to chips, I know this is probably expected of me. My favorite chip is I plain. like plain. I'm a basic bitch. I don't uh, understand how you live your life eating the most boring tasting shit on the no, planet. No, it's just like that's what potato chips are. Cheeseburgers, like, like the plain. Crispex, plain potato chips, hot dogs with probably nothing on them. Usually. To be fair, with whatever you're saying here, the chips is the one that does not bother me because regular potato chips are delicious. They were a thing for a hundred years. The only way I'm doing regular potato chips is if I'm stuffing them in a sandwich or a burger. Otherwise, I'm doing salt vinegar. But with a sandwich or a burger, I think you should have plain. That's what I said. No, I disagree. I think there there are combinations. For instance, if you like a good tuna sandwich, I think salt and vinegar goes really good with that. You can do plain. Obviously, it's going to work, but... There could be other options out there. And I'm I saying. prefer a uh, kettle cooked chip. I was going to say the only plain chips that are really good is the kettle cooked ones or the Cape Cods. I'm not a fan of the kettle cooked, honestly. They're, they really? taste funny. Those yeah, are they my go, favorites. Yeah, a little go a long way. That, those are all I true. eat. I don't um, ever do anything but kettle cooked. I go deaf when I eat them and it destroys yes. my gums. Yes. But I think what Jace, uh, Joe said it, the wavy plain ruffles are really fantastic. Yeah, Utz is the ones I go for. Utz is, uh, all the Utz is good. Those are very yeah. salty. They are very salty, but with like a ham and cheese sandwich, a bunch of Utz ruffle chips is like a perfect uh, companion. Right, I think we've gone on about chips long enough. No, let, let Gordo get it out. Gordo just want to say something for 40 minutes. He did say. He no, did say I was, no, I was going to say about the Utz. I like oh. the uh, sour cream and onion. Yeah, Utz sour cream and onion. And uh, moving on from the chip talk, after this meeting, well, from the page, they all have to, like, rush out. And you get this quick, almost, like, reservoir dog scene of them all walking down, like, the hallway in slow motion, which stops when Joseph has to go to the vending machine, maybe to get some crisps of his own. The only other uh, little thing I want to note, though, is in the beginning and end of that scene, there's, like, some sort of a plate of brownies (laughs) that they don't really address why that's part of the scene. Like, Chris takes it away and puts it on the floor at the beginning, and then when they all rush out, Joseph runs and grabs it and, like, picks it up again. This is a weird thing that has nothing to do with anything, but I don't know why. This might be the first show we've done where somebody has the main character has the same name as I do, and I keep getting thrown off when you say it or he being like, oh, <laughs> hello. We've been over this, but try being named Mike. True. I will say, Jay has a bit of a difference between Mike, Nick, Jason, and Joe. I think we have some of the most common, boring names in america were like it's hard to walk down the street without somebody saying that and you having to be like wait what that's why we're ferg and gordo <laughs> yep as a jason or jay as i'm typically referred to as i'm not it's a common enough name but i'm not always around a lot of other jays or jasons there's, there's like maybe one or two in like big settings but it's not there's not gonna be 20 of them in the room at the same time reminds me of yeah. that time we were hanging out with jason Voorhees, and we were just so <laughs> confused <laughs> what a weird day my son is also named Bort. <laughs> it's a real Bort scenario. <laughs> yeah, looks like. In any event, uh, from there, we cut to the outside, and that's when we see Jerry's taxi pull up, and he gets out, and Jerry's the one who's driving, and he says, like, can you grab my luggage, or do I need to do that, too? And right off the bat, that's the first time we hear David Schwimmer as Jerry speak. The delivery of that line was very robotic and weird, and I don't know if you guys picked up on that the same way. I think that's just David Schwimmer. Now, we'll say this. The next, like, ten minutes of this show are David Schwimmer just saying weird things, and I think the writing works very well, because some of them, it may just be, like, a throw-it-against-the-wall thing, but he says, like, 30 different weird, slightly off-color things here, and I think that 15 of them are funny. 
I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but he goes into like rapid fire mode here. Yeah, I think like the next thing he says, because Joseph like runs down to meet him at the front lobby. And like the first thing he says to him is like, does dwarfism run in your family? <laughs> like such a weird blunt thing to say. Yeah, it's yeah. Just a very odd like I, at this point, And it, it kind of evolves throughout the episode. But like, see, I don't think that's very funny. But then he makes him take his suitcase and then tells him not to use the wheels because it's very expensive. And that's funny, right? Like, it's like a weird hit or miss here. I just liked how like it. Their conversations have meant so much to Jerry, but he has no clue who Jerry is. Yes. <laughs> Apparently it's all been one way. Like He thought all those messages from him were spam. <laughs> also, that was like 20 years ago when this show came out. It's not like this show takes place in 2004. Like, it'd be like, imagine somebody emailing you in 2001 and trying to keep track of that now. Like, it's so... Oh, this show's old? No, no, it's from like last year. He's saying oh. like, but the emails have been from like nine eleven. So oh, yeah, he okay. said they only emailed on nine eleven. I gotcha. But uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of weird things. That whole I do like the thing with the bag where he told him not to roll it, but because <laughs> he didn't want to ruin the wheels. And you got a nice little physical gag of him Joseph trying to like pick up the bag. It was, it's a giant bag and, and get it over to the X ray machine. Yeah. But I was thinking realistically right if you didn't always pick up a bag that heavy by the top you're putting more of a strain on the handle you're more likely to break it that way than if you were to just roll it the handle will definitely break this gets this gets cadence to him not walking on the moving sidewalk he didn't want to ruin his wheels i was gonna say that's actually what happened to me the last time i came back from poland we bought we bought a suitcase over there and i went to pull it up and the thing ripped because it was one of those huge ones and it ripped, and then I just looked at, at my fiance, and I said, "Well, I guess I don't know my own strength. <laughs> Congress going to ban these guns right here." But no, it was just you and know, she you threw do. your passport into the ocean, <laughs> <laughs> and you stay here, and I go home. <laughs> Fuck off, bud. Yeah, but yeah, annoying. I was just going to say how, like, you know, every time you go to, like, an airport, like, you see, like, the luggage store, and you're like, who's buying luggage? It's like a Jerry Seinfeld joke. Like, who buys luggage when you're already at the airport? You'd be amazed how often they break. It's like, oh, these things break, so you probably have to buy more because they're pieces of shit. I think I've broken every piece of luggage I've ever owned at some point, so it makes sense. I've refused to check a bag anytime I've ever flown, and I just shove as much as I can into my giant backpack and just play it by ear. You're a minimalist, though. Like, I have a thousand things I bring on vacation. Well, I feel like if I'm going away for four or five days, I just need enough clothes to get through, and I'll bring, like, a tote bag to bring home, like, records or whatever, but... Uh, One other thing I want to mention about this scene before we move past it is that Jerry has this gigantic, like, the largest container of jelly beans I've ever seen in my life. Also, what a weird gift. I hate jelly beans. Wow, how? Really? Yeah. Like, you don't like, like, jelly belly jelly beans? I think they're like, I don't like the consistency of jelly beans. Like, I'm with Ferg on this one. I'd rather have Sam, I don't like them. Yeah. Really? They get stuck in your teeth. They don't taste that good. It's just I all like, sugar. It's I rarely, gross. I'm not a big candy eater, but like sometimes when you got those stores where it's like a make your own bag of candy for like, you know, $70 a pound, like I might just get like a, like a small handful of jelly belly, like jelly beans. Cause like I always thought their flavors are like really spot on. God, you're yeah. So but boring. some of their flavors, like I don't want to eat booger flavored jelly well, beans. No, obviously I'm not that. getting, I'm not like filling up a bag of booger and farts. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take one pound of booger, sir. <laughs> I'll take booger and vomit. Yeah, I'm just eating a bag of dog poop uh, jelly beans. See, all those all those sound disgusting, but I had a um, a popcorn flavored one, and it was probably the most disgusting jelly bean I've ever eaten. Yeah, it's butter flavored. Just, yeah, yeah it's butter and burnt. Like they try to get like the burnt Better. like aspect butter. <laughs> Uh, a couple of years ago, Skittles had zombie ones for Halloween. Do you remember that? 
and the way they did it is like they taste like zombie flesh. They were all like gray, right? No, the, yeah, every one was the same color, so you wouldn't know. And the flavor was quote unquote zombie flesh. So like you'd take a handful of them, and it was like Skittle roulette. Like when I used to put the chocolates in the Skittles at my work, and uh, we bought them, and I was like, I love Skittles. This will be fun. And it didn't. I mean, I don't know what you know human flesh tastes like or anything. They all taste like gray. <laughs> yeah, so that, that would be the worst bag of Skittles ever. What a great joke. <laughs> it's just grape and apple. Like fuck you people. <laughs> But uh, yeah, they were disgusting, and we just couldn't, we couldn't even finish a bag, because you just got to a point where you're like, it was like Russian roulette, it was like the hammer clicking, where you're like, oh, I don't want to bite into one anymore. More like shittles. (laughs) 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 Moving on. Sorry. (laughs) So now we we cut over to Chris, who's in her office, and she's trying to look up Jerry's file, but she can't gain any access because it's classified. So she calls down to her assistant, Evelyn. And she has her walk up to her office, which was clearly a power move because she's right there and she had her on the phone and the stuff she asks her to do could have been a two second phone call, but she still insisted that she walked up, which goes back to what we were saying a little bit about this boss and like how she is. This weirdly reminded me of wings with the two story thing in the lockers when we watched wings. A while oh yeah. Ago. It was like right up top there. Yeah. Speaking of bring up the, um, the, the scene with David Stormer wa- walks up to the thing and they're checking all of his bags and they think it's cause he's a terrorist. Well, he, he asked them, is it because they think you're a terrorist? Yeah, that, well, that's right after because... Oh, from, I thought you yeah. skipped it. I'm sorry. No, no, no. It, it cuts back to that. So that's when, um, yeah, Jerry and Joseph are standing where they were before, like right at the entranceway. And they're going to, you know, go into the building, but they have to go through security first, which is like, you know, the metal detector and security guard going through your stuff, kind of standard in a lot of big buildings. And I thought that was weird because Jerry seemed to have no idea what's going on or why it's happening. Like, he, that's what, like you said, he thought maybe it's because Joseph is like a... V- Indian potentially descent. I'm not sure exactly what he is. He makes a quote unquote is because you're foreign joke. (laughs) Yeah. And for someone who's worked for the what NSA for 25 years, as he said, like he doesn't go into any secure buildings where there's a metal detector and security guard in the front of the building. He's that confused. He probably doesn't usually go through with all of his luggage like that. That's fair too. And I also like to think it's one of those things where like, you know, when I mentioned earlier, the secure building I worked in where like if the security guards sort of recognized you, they just were just like, yeah, whatever, go through. Like, I imagine if you're like an NSA guy and you come in every morning with your coffee and your bagel for 10 years, they just don't question it. They just let you through. Now we get into like them going into the main office and that's when Jerry meets Chris for the first time. And Jerry's initial reaction is, I was expecting a guy. And then he goes, do you prefer Chris or Christopher? Which that was really dumb. I thought was a little bit funny though. But again, is he just dumb? Like, I don't understand his character. I think it's funny because he's not joking. Yeah, that's the thing. You know he, like, I mean? yeah. It was like yeah. a, he like delivered it really serious. I've already got the idea that he's the guy that they just sent over to get get them to get rid of him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what I was feeling. And too, a yeah. lot more. A lot more of that comes up later too. It's like he just sucks. And they, yeah, they he's like a hero in his own mind, and they're like, "Yeah, bud, you're the hero. We're gonna send you over to England to crack this big case." And they're just happy to get him out of the office. He's the guy who orders like the weird flavored pizza, but no, no regular flavored pizzas. Should have cut to like the NSA, like having a an office party like yeah. he's gone uh and like while he's talking to chris he's i kind of get the vibe that he's talking down or a little bit like in the initial conversation i don't know if you guys got that same vibe but he definitely spoke down like as if he was the boss now we all know that's uh angela <laughs> Hey, Angela. (laughs) Hey, Angela, this makes no sense at all. The two of us would ever even be attracted to each other, but let's talk about it for seven years. Oh. 
No, I think he's he's trying to establish dominance. He's coming in there. It's like prison. Take out the biggest dog in the yard. But I also think to to the point where we're saying like they got rid of him by saying like, "Hey, you're going to go over there and be this like you know super important cog in this wheel." They probably told him he's in charge, right? So he's going under the impression. No, he's he's definitely like a like a Dwight in in the in the office. Like he's the guy that goes by the rule book. And he thinks he's in charge and nobody respects him and he probably has no position of authority. See, I, I don't I don't get that from him. I don't get that he goes by the rule book. There's a scene later on that like really, I think, would explain that he's not that kind of guy because Dwight's not very self-aware with Jerry's character. I feel like he's very fake it till you make it. I, I was going to say the exact same quote. And are you talking about the whole uh, bullet wound before we get to it? No, is it it's something else? But yes, that too. Uh, I think that was another indicator, but there's something a little bit before, kind of a really quick scene that um, we'll get to uh, in yeah. a little bit. But while uh, Chris is trying to explain to him like where his office is and everything, he gets distracted because he sees Tuva for the first time. And uh, when I see Tuva, I wish you, there was just one Va. <laughs> well, I wish it was three Va. <laughs> He runs up to her and he's like, oh, so what OS are you using here? Is that Lysander 4.4? It's like 4.5. I don't know enough about, is that a real operating system? Does it, Nick, do you know? Is yeah, it's like a Nick. As far as I know, it's not, no. Also, when Tuva spoke, she only has a few lines throughout the episode. Sometimes she sounds kind of like she's deaf. No? Am I the only no, one who got that indicator? I didn't notice that. that. No, I don't think I she plays a deaf character. I think Can you her... emulate what you mean? No. <laughs> Not in a way that wouldn't be highly offensive to a bunch of people. No. How about instead of that, you emulate somebody who's doing a bit at a deaf comedy jam in 1993? Could you emulate that voice? No, too? not in a way that wouldn't be wildly uh, offensive to a lot of people. Well, what about somebody who's a combination? Somebody who's doing a deaf comedy jam but also has hearing loss? There's no, there's no, there's a no win situation here. Uh, so we will move past that. <laughs> Uh, anyways, okay, fine. do Bobcat Goldthwait then. I haven't, I've, I've been working on it. I don't <laughs> have it yet. So we'll have to figure out if there's another Bobcat show we could cover. For those of you who are, who haven't listened back, we did Unhappily Ever After a couple weeks ago. Go back and listen to that in the archives. Another podcast we're going to do called Jay's Wasted Lunch Breaks. I am breaks. incapable of doing a Bobcat Goldthwait voice, but, uh, one day, I'm working on it in the car when I'm alone. <laughs> but uh, one one day I'll, I'll I'll get it. Yours is more like a Bobcat bronze weight. Right now it's more like Bobcat Travolta. That's the problem. <laughs> so it needs oh, some God. work. I'm okay with that. Can you please do it? <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> How's your John Travolta impression, though? It's like so-so. It's not great. Moving on. Um, <laughs> this like, is when hey, Chris... just doing a massage back here, buddy. Take off the towel. Moving on again. <laughs> Moving on. This is when uh, Chris tells uh, Jerry that Tuva uh, used to be one of Europe's most notorious hackers. And she said she still is, which apparently was a joke, but not really. Jerry obviously has like a thing for her, and he introduces himself. He's like, oh, Jerry Bernstein. And she asks if that's Jewish. And he goes, wouldn't you like to know flirt? I do love that he added flirt. That was another one of the few genuine laughs in the show yeah. I got. Yeah. And this is actually all the things he did. This is the thing that made me laugh the most. This is when Mary pops up and his like honest reaction of both like shock and repulsion was, I thought that was yeah, pretty funny. That's good. What's wrong with you? He, no, he's yeah. like, what happened? He's uh, like, what do yeah. you mean? Yeah. I mentioned it earlier, but she looks like Professor McGonagall from, from Harry Potter. And well, if she you, does, you know yeah. anything about Harry Potter, like that's not. It's a weird character. reference, but you know the scene in Me, Myself, and Irene where Jim Carrey's in, like, bad guy Jim Carrey mode, and he sees the albino Hank. kid, and yeah. he just, like, Whitey. goes off on him? That's what happens in this scene. It's this me, Milky. 
just doing that impression is so painfully uncomfortable. Yeah, Chris says that uh, she's one of GCHQ's finest, and he's like, finest what? Is this also true? like, she's nominated for the Nobel Prize. He's like, did you win? No. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like, it's not such a humongous, crazy, limited club to be nominated. I don't know. With movies, they, they, they love to fuck throw that out there. Nominated for the Oscar. Didn't win, but nominated for three Oscars. Nominated for Yeah, but in that Oscars. case, he asked if she won, and she's like, She's like, no, and I actually got cystitis that day, which I, I, <laughs> I had to look it up. It's like an inflammation of the bladder. It's a lot like a UTI. Oh, rough day. Yeah. So right around this point, Jerry kind of takes control of the room, and he's demanding like a specific temperature, and then he's shouting to like address everybody in the area, and he proclaims himself as the best possible resource for any of them. He's like, exploit me, punish me. Yeah, so at this point, again, I, I this goes back to what we said before, this whole fake it till you make it. I think he's trying to just take over. Like, oh, I'm getting transferred here. I'm going to, you know, I'm coming in as the liaison, but I'm going to find my way into like a, you know, a leadership role. And, you know, maybe this will be my final landing spot. That's the kind of the impression I got. How stupid is he, though? He's American and they're British and he can't. It's the British way. Well, he also <laughs> thought her name was Christopher. So and he didn't understand how security works when you go into a building. So he's a very interesting character. I think it's honestly respect. I think he just wants respect from anybody. I don't think he thinks he's going to take over here because he's not going to stay there forever. I mean, I guess there could be like an ambassador liaison between the U.S. and U.K. type of position. But I think he just wants these people to respect him so he can feel sort of high and mighty for a little while. And then he'll move on to the next thing where he'll just keep doing that. Well, it's tricky because like even like right after he's having like a little bit of dialogue with Chris and you can see like in that moment, he's I don't know, he's always kind of condescending when he talks to her, but he's oblivious to the fact that he's doing it. And she clearly hates his guts, but she's trying very hard to hide it and be respectful because they have to work together yeah they're like polar opposite characters she's the stickler he's a little more like he wants hey come away from the important work you're doing come over here loosen up everyone but you know what it's weird because he's he i don't know he's back and forth it's just he is very back and forth his character is not defined yet like i don't think he knows what that character is they don't know what he wants to be and I don't understand his character even up to the very end of the episode. I think, yeah, I think the writing's a little loose, but I think he was also unsure of exactly how to play it. Like, he didn't, he's like acting out the script, but he did not create the character of Jerry yet, you know, and know that this guy's mannerisms and stuff. I, I think I actually would have preferred if he was just always serious and like probably oblivious, but serious all the time. Yeah, played a little drier. Yeah. Like a Leslie Nielsen. R.I.P. Yeah, some deadpan. Yeah, like deadpan, Leslie Nielsen, naked gun. Yes, please. So Leslie Nielsen from Golden Girls, R.I.P. Rue McClanahan. R.I.P. everyone on Golden Girls now. Yeah, but like mainly Rue McClanahan. Um, the hot one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for those of you, again, who want to go back, listen to Mama's Family, yeah, and we'll find out about Joe's first celebrity crush. And my last celebrity crush. Yeah. So then we cut to the next day, and Chris walks into the office, and she sees that Jerry added a bunch of plants, and she tells him that they're going to die in three days, and he tells her that he sprayed them with glue, so they're kind of mummified. And I'm like, wait, what? On two fronts. <laughs> first off- Buy fake plants. <laughs> well, no, first- why why is she saying that they're gonna die in three days what are you basically no on? sunlight yeah like, there's just no air or sunlight in there so like yeah. unless you have like a grow lamp on them even well, it if depends you what kind them. of plant it is right aren't some plants fine without light all plants need at least somewhat some sunlight uh, that's somewhere okay but i'm not a botanist so i think like underwater ocean plants. and also the glue thing is that real is that like a thing you can do to plants can you spray them with like some sort of a glue that just i can see how it would work I could see it, but I actually don't know. 
I think they'd still get discolored, and then you just have a mummified brown plant. Yeah, I thought maybe like with maybe yeah. with time, maybe it's. It, I like, like Ferg's uh, description of a plant. It's just the, this. <laughs> this being holding its hand up for those of you who just listening. <laughs> Not a video podcast. Yeah, two of these. But why didn't he just buy fake plants if he's going to mummify the? Real I don't think plant. he thought it was going to be that underground. Yeah. Yeah, because he mentions, can we get some sunlight in here? Like, because he talks about the NSA office being totally different. Yeah, he brings up the sunlight thing a couple times, too, actually. And also, as he's unpacking, he's unpacking his, like, giant, like, American flag. Well, you got to take one with you. It made me think a little bit, because this is a, a unique perspective from us, right? We see a lot of... Us all being from America, we see a lot of American shows where they're like introducing British characters. This is the one time we're seeing it from the other side where it's a British created show with the, like a strong American character in it. And you wonder like some of these mannerisms, is this how we're seen? I think a lot of it is yeah. that it's like dumb bourgeois Americans showing up with their nationalism and their hot dogs being forceful. Yeah. Cause we're a bunch of idiots. That's an archetype character though. They have that like, starting, like I it's almost like a Ron Swanson like type of thing. Like he would have an American flag if he traveled. Jerry tries to get Joseph's attention and J- Jerry wants to know about the stain in the carpet, but Joseph's on the other side and he can't hear through the glass and he keeps telling him he can't hear him, but like it this never dawns on, on yeah, it never dawns on Joseph to just go around. It goes he on works too there. long. Yeah, so this is a problem that this show has, is that things just go on a little bit too long, in my opinion. And this is one of them. Agreed. And I'm sure that we're going to get to the other one very short. Gordo, your cat is very loud in the background right now. I told you, she wants to come in and supervise. I think she's a big fan of this show and she doesn't like where this podcast is going. I don't like where this podcast is going. <laughs> Satellite. I feel like sometimes the way the jokes drag on are intended, so there's like a little bit of awkwardness there. But yeah, I think in this case, it was it, it could have been a much quicker thing. And you just realize to go around the glass, but the, the especially where Joseph's worked there for a while. It's not like he's new. He knows. Just go around. But in any event, yeah, it was because of the stain on the ground. He didn't know what it was. And then he explains like, oh, this is where like. Was it like Evelyn used to work? No, Evelyn's the um, Evelyn's the like the secretary, right? I think so. Oh, it was Elaine's office. I'm sorry. So he said this used to be Elaine's office, and uh, she's on maternity leave right now. So it's basically insinuating that the big stain in the carpet is from when her water broke. Evelyn's the secretary. Yes, and you cut over and you see Joseph like on his hands and knees right in front of the stain. He just like puts his face right in it and smells. And mm. because it was just mentioned that it could have mm. been the water breaking, I was like, it was a little little much for me, <laughs> to be honest with but you. But what's your best case scenario there? It's somebody's like four day old coffee. Like there's no exactly. to this, you know. Your best case scenario is someone spilled a drink. That is right. the absolute yep. best case. Which immediately I think of the office as well when Todd Packer leaves a present for Michael, <laughs> his carpet. That's immediately what I was thinking of. And then uh, when he gets up, Jerry tells Joseph that he needs a pass from HR because he needs to go to the bathroom. And Joseph tells him it takes about a week to get the pass. But he's like, oh, I'll help you get through the door. This is kind of his opportunity to like also give Jerry a little bit of a mini tour. And the first thing he shows him is like the quiet room they have, which was like a really weird just one-off scene. They they open this room and it's kind of a like fairly well decorated. I can't really describe the room. It's kind of like a sensory room. There's just like a few people awkwardly hanging out in it. And Jerry asks if he can pee there. And then it just cuts to some dude who's like, I sometimes do. (laughs) What is this? One of the few laughs. It was very weird. It's made me think, and I'm sure it's probably gone away now, but like pre-pandemic, you'd see like office buildings now where like, oh, and this is the library and this is the iPad room and this is the quiet room where you can nap during the day. We're like, wait, what is happening to when do you when do you work? And then COVID happened. And I think that shit's all gone now. But people are 
worked in like weird spaces and offices. I got, we got laid off from a job once and they were like, we opened this new office, but we laid you all off. Do you want to come see it? And we we're like, no. And they're like, well, you have to pick up your last check here. It's like, shit. <laughs> so we had to go there anyway. And then had to sit through the tour of them being like, and here's 25 iPads and beanbags for if you're having like a rough moment during the day. It's like, lady, just give me my I'm on fire check, please. And let me out of here. This is a nightmare. Like jokes on you, Joe. This was a test and you failed. <laughs> we were going to hire you back with double the money and double the benefits. Like, Fuck your iPads. Yeah, I've, I've worked in places that, that have had that. Uh, we had a ping pong table and um, one of those air hockey, but not like the bubble hockey, not like air hockey. You know what I'm talking about? The figures? No. Yeah. What's, what's uh, bubble the shittier hockey? version? It's it's like it's a hockey game, but it's got a big dome over it. Oh, the slide slide hockey? Yeah, it's yeah. like a yeah. ball yeah. almost. Yeah. It's called bubble hockey. Is it? I, didn't, yeah. I never knew that, what, what it was called. Oh, I just made that up. No, I've heard it called bubble co- bubble cocky. <laughs> oh, so Nick plays bubble cocky at his bubble job. Cocky. You should see it. You guys were all going to go for Nick's house for the anniversary of the. I don't think I want to see that. The bubble cocky Super Bowl cup. Uh, I'm sorry. Winner picks the episodes for a year. Winner gets to not sit in for the episode of Cavemen. That would be worth playing bubble cocky with all of you. I was thinking what we should do for Cavemen is what Jay suggested for Gordo's flash mob, and nobody watched the episode and just let him describe it the whole time. If you don't think that I can't talk, I'll make it a five hour episode. The problem is it'll just lead to questions, which will just lead to him answering more questions. All of yeah. that's a problem. I don't know. Did he kill Gordo? I think so. Slightly. <laughs> Slightly. <laughs> Sorry. It's going to be so inaudible because now I got to keep that in. What the fuck happened? You had like a cough laugh fit. Cough I coughed and I laughed and I snorted. It was not good. A triple threat. And I think a little poop coming over too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking a little poop come out, too. <laughs> it's poop again. Are you trying to kill him? Like, do you want to finish the episode? Or does he have to go to the hospital? Keep mentioning the word poop. He looks like he's oh, there it is. He's fucking dead. Oh, right. Keep looking down at him. <laughs> I'm racing. Stop. It hurts. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh shit okay all right all right we're good quick someone make him someone make a water. fart noise and see if he falls out of the chair <laughs> all right all right because he has to go to the bathroom they're, like they're still like going through the entire building and you see this like mix of regular and the like quote-unquote security shots of them wandering around but now like jerry really has to go because it's been taking a while and eventually they find this door that joseph can't seem to access and he like tries his pass then he tries to use like the code and then he uses his fingerprint then he tries to do like an eye scan but like he has like a lazy eye so when he when he comes up close like his eyes like moving around <laughs> that got me actually that was the only part <laughs> yeah i like that they kept escalating it like his finger didn't work because it was greasy from eating chips his eye is lazy so that didn't work and then finally, like, Jerry just picks him up and, like, holds him, like, against the thing so his eye will scan. Uh, so I, I did, I like that part, but that also kind of goes into the, we said, like, they let the run, the joke run a little bit long. Like, this was a very long scene of them trying to open the door. 30 seconds less, it'd be way funnier. Yeah. I was going to say, if it happened in the time span that you just described it, like, it just was one after the other. Yeah. If it was, like, a quick, like, he's frantically trying to figure it out, but it was, like, a long attempt at either one, like, Oh, let me try it again. Let me try it again. Yeah. 
And then uh, when they finally do get through the door, though, like maybe like five steps later, they reach another door. And that's when you just get Jerry like, no. It was weird, though, because when he did it, they pan out of the building again. And that's when like they cut to like the the like space again, where it just says intelligence. So they like they flash the title of the show like two thirds into the episode. Weird moment. But I mean, like everyone's been there. We have to pee that badly. We're like, you, you are on the side a little bit. We were just like, what do you do? The screen part I was okay with was the cutting out and like flashing the title of the show that was again. Probably like, that, a was commercial weird. break. Yeah, thing. I figured, but it was just I don't know. And I don't know if things are formatted different overseas and how they cut their breaks and stuff. But flag me is weird. I would have replaced that with just a black screen and gone to the next scene, and that yeah. probably would have flowed a little better. Yeah. And then like this is actually what I was talking about earlier when we talk about finding out about his character and why like he's not Dwight like to me. The very next scene is like after he goes to the bathroom, he's like looking at himself in the mirror and he's trying to compose himself. And I was very like, what's this all about? Because he was really like, all right, you know, like you got this. And there was no sign of like why he feels that way up until this moment. And I, and that was the first time I was really thinking about what's going on with this character. There's obviously a lot more than you realize that is probably going to get unfolded later on. And did you guys not catch that, that little thing it wasn't super obvious but no i like that he was not being confident know what this reminded me a lot of weirdly i don't know how familiar everybody is with the movie true lies yeah. i was more familiar with it 25 years ago but sure but bill paxton's character in it where he's like lying to jamie lee curtis like he's this spy and he's yep. all this and then later on it turns out he's just lying to try to scam on her and he's just like i've got a little dick it's pathetic <laughs> like he just breaks down so hard like that's what this character seemed like to me i also feel like you've referenced him two weeks in a row that bill sounds paxton? right r.i.p yeah. he was he a did man. mention bill paxton from true lies when he was talking about someone being sleazy or something like that i forget what it was oh mentioning bill paxton specifically from true lies yes. done two yeah, weeks yeah, yeah. that's that's weird yeah. that is weird yeah i should watch true lies tonight maybe get out of my system Perhaps. i did watch tombstone the other day with him in it that's neither here nor there i'm just saying that <laughs> for some reason <laughs> in case yeah. anyone's wondering i was wondering if i watched tombstone recently the answer is yes and then uh <laughs> anyways after that we get a another cutaway scene of the like the printer not working and people trying to fix it this was like the second or third time i didn't mention it earlier but it's happened a few times throughout the episode where they keep showing it over and over again Chris heads over to Joseph's desk where it reveals that he's looking up Matthew McConaughey again. It's <laughs> <Just> like, what? <laughs> yeah, like, again, some of these jokes, and I get that the printer thing pays off and the Matthew McConaughey thing, I guess, pays off. I just don't get why they jock it so hard for so long. Because they're British. That doesn't mean anything. What do you say? <laughs> Please explain no, your no. statement. Br- British is rapid fire. That's not like a no, a long... no, 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 no. I mean the audience. I'm sorry. The audience is British, so the Matthew McConaughey is an odd, knowable American. Like he is it's, to it's us. odd to us who are Americans. It's still like it's odd in general. I'm more like, why do they keep the? If I understand the joke of Matthew McConaughey once, I don't understand the joke of him over and over again. Maybe that's a thing. Maybe it's just they they hit you over the head with the same thing. Like Maybe we're just not smart enough to understand this show. Maybe we just don't have the intelligence that we need. Per- you know? Perhaps, perhaps that's it. And then Jerry runs in and he tells Chris that he figured out what the problem is there and that it's like morale. And he tells her to like play some music and says, "Hey, uh, tell Alexa to play NSA Nasty Mix Number Two. And then uh, he asks for a gym as well and a sunroof. We we mentioned the sun thing before, so apparently 
He's very much not comfortable with the amount of darkness there. Did anybody look up to see if there was an NSA nasty mix number two on Spotify? I'm going to look right now. I did not, but I can always change one of my play. I only have like one playlist, to be honest with you, but I can change the, the name of it to NSA nasty mix too. It's definitely not because this show's not, wasn't a hit. NSA nasty mix two playlist. Would you guys like to hear what's on it? You can yes. tell us. I don't think we could legally play anything on it. No, but can. the first song is a good, it's a jam. We got regulate by Warren G and eight dog. One of the okay. best songs of all time, right? And there's a Wu-Tang Clan, Notorious B.I.G., Tribe Called Quest, N.W.A., Dr. Dre. So at least it's hip-hop, but it's old hip-hop. So, yeah, it's basically just a bunch of mainly like Easy e boys in the hood. Great song. Ice Cube. Yeah, so it's basically just late 80s, early 90s hip-hop. Good to know. Probably has nothing to do with the show. Probably just some random person who No, but I will definitely the put this on yeah. while making dinner tomorrow night, so that's good to know. We'll save that. And then uh, this is when Chris reminds him that, you know, she's not his assistant. She's the GCHQ Director of Cybersecurity. She said, Grandpapa built the bouncing bomb. Mother poses a triple agent during the Cold War, while father came up with an idea called the Internet. <laughs> and she continues to, like, put him in its place and makes it known that this is her department. And he then looks at her for a minute and says, I'm sorry. Uh, it looks like you stopped talking. My ears are still fucked from this flight. What Was that important? <laughs> that was what kind of got me that they swear on this show because i thought sky network was like a tv show but maybe they have different rules over there there's a lot of i i don't know about there specifically but every country has different views on swearing and we are actually sky more conservative network, with that yeah. sky net intelligence Ooh. watch out santa satan same fucking guy <laughs> Yeah, I think in England, you're able to swear and stuff, because, like, you know, the tabloids and stuff even have, like, topless pictures in them and stuff, so you could swear beforehand. And yeah, I think, because I think there's two F-bombs in this uh, in this episode. But that happened, like, later, though. Everything liberated up pretty quickly, but it happened after a period of, like, very strict. Like, the 70s weren't like that, you know what I mean? Like, it came kind of on pretty rapidly. But, Gordo, I thought you were going to say you liked this scene a lot, because he had juicy liquid ear, like you did a couple weeks ago, which is... One of the worst moments I've ever had speaking to you in my entire 30 years of knowing you. And if you're wondering what he's talking about, you can go to our Instagram at S1E1Pod and watch the clip of uh, Gordo's juicy ear. Kind of juicy today, too. But then uh, there's another printer fixing cutaway scene, which takes us back to later in the day where you see Jerry in the office and he's like talking to himself. He's like, you really going to take that from her, you little bitch? Just talking to himself. I love him calling himself a little bitch. And he's trying to like hype himself <laughs> up. And what I what I like too is later on, Chris is like walking by and she like looks over and can see what he's doing like from afar and like she picks up on it. And so she kind of smiles to herself because she's like, even though he pretended he didn't hear anything she was saying, like obviously she got to him. Yeah, that's an interesting dynamic uh, knowing that because she's probably been worried since he started, you know, acting like that. And now she gets to worry less, I think. Yeah, she's probably like probably fearful in general of the power shift. Right. And that he's going to kind of take over. But now yeah. she at least knows that she's in his head a little bit. You know, what's confusing about this to me, though, is so Chris is not the top level, right? There has to be somebody above her who sent Jerry there, right? Yeah. And she never did, she never even thinks to, you know, reach out to this person and say, hey, here's what's going on. She obviously doesn't like the dynamic that he brings, and she could probably talk to somebody about it, but she just, you know, doesn't. I think she's a rule follower, though. So if her superior said, like, hey, so-and-so is coming in, like, you kind of have to follow. So she's just like, well. She doesn't want to come off as weak. She's in charge there, and she can't deal with the new guy that just showed up, and he's supposedly an asset. Like, 
I think there's a little bit too where it's like a family lineage thing where she might be a little shaky and doesn't want to like disrupt things too much to lose this, you know, generational position of, um, you know, power they have within this organization of, you know, these British spies, maybe. Or I'm thinking way too much into it for this I, show. I don't you know. know I, to be honest, yeah, it's like we do this all the time, right? We super deep dive and dissect these shows and try to, you know, find the, you know, the hidden meaning sometimes and connect the dots. And a lot of times I think the writing just isn't there and we, um, and we're trying to make sense no. of something that I think we nail it nine out of 10 times. All right. That's Genius. very possible as well. At that point, we get Joseph heading into Jerry's office while Jerry's still trying to hype himself up and he's apologizing for Chris said, like, you must feel so awful. And Jerry tells him, you know, I've been in the NSA for 25 years and he's like, I basically know everything. I've overseen terrorist plots, cyber attacks, assassination attempts. And he's like, on you? He's like, no, not on me. And then he says he predicted 9-11, Afghanistan, and 7-7 is, I don't know what 7-7 is. Is that a thing? Seven and seven is usually seven up mixed with uh with Seagram seven. No, yeah, it was the London bombings in two thousand and five. Oh. oh. That wasn't the subway attack, right? Yeah, that's what got um Muhammad Hassan fired from the WWE. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. That poor guy. That was bad timing. Terrible timing. Yeah, a seven and seven is uh seven up in Seagram seven. Right, which is way too sweet of a drink to mix with whiskey. The preferred drink of Ryan Atwood. Ryan Damn Atwood. you beat me to <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, we can't do an OC episode because it's not a sitcom, but I will say because of that show, there was a brief time period where I would order seven and sevens, but most bars don't have seven up, so they're just going to go, okay, dude, and just give you like Sprite. This uh, Sierra Mist will have to do. Exactly. I, I like the, the response, but you predicted them? Like, do you, do you mean you think, do you think I could have stopped them? Yeah, I think so. Did you have a hunch about 9-11? I don't know why, but I want that isolated as like my text message ringtone. It made me laugh so hard. Did you have a hunch about it? Well, when he was like, yeah, he was talking about a good old American hunch or whatever. And he's like, yeah, I had a big hunch on 9-11. And then I had another hunch moments later. And I'm like, it was, whoa, okay, whoa, hold the on. quote is. Yeah, just this huge fucking hunch, and then another big hunch moments later. Just the fucking best joke. If you wanted me to know if it's a green light early, I'll give you a big fucking hunch right now. That's what I'm saying. Oh, you like everything. Well, That's not true. Well, anyways, uh, right after that, Jerry kind of loosens his tie and opens up his shirt a little bit to show Joseph a scar that he has near, kind of like his collarbone. And he said that's where he got shot, and he like he's trying to make him touch it. And Joseph tells him that he has a scar that looks exactly like that, which I couldn't pick up what he said, what it was from. I, I, I tried. It's like a perma scar from when they removed like a wart or something okay, like that, right. I think, yeah. I really thought in this scene he was going to do that part in Ace Ventura when he's talking about the dog bite to Courtney Cox, and when she gets close to look at it, he goes, <laughs> <laughs> The fact that they didn't made me sad, but then I still laughed at Jim Carrey doing that like 30 years later. I would have liked it more if he did the Ace Ventura talking with his butt. <laughs> I would have Can liked I that ask too. you a question? That also would have made the scene with the glass door where they couldn't understand him way better if they did the whole like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> uh, what I like about this bullet scene though is <laughs> Joseph asked to see the exit wound. He's like, no, that, that part healed up just fine. <laughs> just, so obviously he's lying about the scar and telling him that he got shot when he clearly didn't. And I think that all kind of goes into oh, just a bunch. I, I think these these little things tell more about the character than when he's actually like outwardly speaking to everybody. Yeah, that was when I first realized he's just making everything up. Yeah, for me it was that it was that like bathroom scene when he's like trying to hype himself up earlier on. And then Jerry tells Joseph he needs like to get the morale up. And Joseph says, you know, I'll do anything you need me to do. Treat me like I'm your PA. And he's like, I thought you were my PA. <laughs> 
It's also too like Joseph doesn't seem to know where he stands in this organization either. No, I think he typically does, but he has this like he has this like hero worship for Jerry before Jerry even showed up. So he's just so excited that he's there that that's his main focus is to just be around him, whether that's as an assistant or his friend or whatever, you know, just to be around him seems to be his number one priority now. But it also seems like they're pretty low priority too. Like even that, even Christine, right? Like she's in charge of this group, but she's in charge of the dipshits, right? Like it, everyone's sort of trying to play up a little bit more than what they are. Yeah. Jerry heads back to the main area to call everyone like from the department over and he proposes some like team building exercises and he's like, can I get a yes, Jerry? And like, no one really replies. And then they start by playing Jerry says, and he does like Jerry says arms up, arms down. All right, you guys lose. And then he does like Jerry says one step to the left and he, but he motions right. So he makes everyone move the wrong way. I would have fallen for that one. Yeah, it, it's a it's Probably, a clever move, yeah. but I like that he was like, "I fucked you there, didn't I?" <laughs> this is where he seems to have character too. Like the next one, he says, "Where he's like, all right, everybody undress." And he's like, "No, don't do that. Have more respect for yourselves." It's like these little lines where Schwimmer's really genuinely funny. Yeah, it just again it goes back to his character is so inconsistent throughout the entire episode that saying stuff like that doesn't yeah. sink in with the the way he acts at other points. It just doesn't. You never really know who this guy is. Have him be serious the whole time or have him be the fun-loving goofball the whole time. You can't be both. That's the point of him. He's trying to be serious at first, but he's not that kind of person. And I think towards the end of the episode, he's trying to be less serious because he realizes it's not working. I don't know. I I, I don't know. I just, I can see how that makes sense, but I don't think that they did that with any storytelling outside of just us seeing him acting different. Yeah. So I, I don't know. The next one is like everyone's blindfolded and you just see everyone paired up and kind of like doing the arms out, touching at each other. Like, and he's like, all right, so for the next thing, I want you to all talk about the last time you had sex. And he asked Mary and she's like, oh, I'm sorry. It's been a while. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> What did he say? I can tell I can smell your pheromones. He says you smell her pheromones. Yeah. And he goes, I bet you're nasty. <laughs> I bet you're, filthy, like I bet you're filthy, though. Filthy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I bet you're filthy, though. And she's like, no. He's like, I, I love how you deny it. That's hot. <laughs> Again, that's out of left field, too, though, because he's disgusted by her I know. Earlier, he's right? totally disgusted by her earlier, and now he's, like, turned on, yeah, by the by the idea that she's a closet freak. That's hot. Trim spa, baby. You want my cold dead body? <laughs> Stop. Don't, you can't make that like your catchphrase because that was so awkward the first time you did it. Plus, it's already taken. <laughs> R.I.P. Anna Nicole. She's fantastic. And then anyways, that's when Jerry asks two for the same question. And she's just like 10, 15 this morning. And the girl across from her is like, didn't you get here at eight? <laughs> yep. <laughs> See, his dialogue with the other one should have been the dialogue to her. Like, it would have made more sense because he's already showed interest in her. Right. Chris shows up and breaks it all up. And Chris and Jerry are kind of doing this back and forth where, no, everyone break up. And then he's like, no, everyone stay here. And they're both trying to be in control of the team. So there's there's a little bit like, again, I don't understand how there's this power issue because of their roles are so different. I don't understand how like that's going to be a problem. This next scene, too, is one of those things where it happens in your lifetime sometimes and you have an almost weird moment where you're like, you have to cite this forever. He calls himself a dashing American fuck fox. I was like, I'm going to be saying that whether I die tomorrow or in 80 years, I will call somebody a fuck fox ingest a thousand times and i'm always gonna be like intelligence yeah because 
<laughs> he says because he says he's in a uh, dashing American fuckbox in your prissy British hen house. <laughs> it's even better. It's an even better <laughs> sentence. Yeah. And he says that he doesn't want to be there either, but they need to work together. But I don't think that's true. I think he does want to be there. I don't think he has a choice but to be there. Like, I think that he's so annoying in the other office, he has no choice. I think he was the bitch at the NSA, and they sent him away, and now he's like, this is my chance to reinvent myself. I'm under the impression that that he's, like, excited at the opportunity to be somewhere else secretly, Yeah. yeah. I also feel like he... There's somebody he's related to that's very important, because why wouldn't he... If, like, he was just so annoying and, you know, useless... Or he'd be fired. Like, he doesn't need to work there. You know what I mean? Like He might be good at his job. That's the thing. He could be good at his job, but it's just annoying. That's true. Yeah, you can't be fired for being annoying. I'd like to think, though, they probably put him in a basement somewhere for, like, 25 years, right? And now this is an adventure. That's why he's happy to be there. He likes these people. He likes being in England. He's away from what he's normally doing. Like, this is something fun no matter what, right? Even if it was menial, if tomorrow your work said, hey, go work for six weeks in England, it's an adventure. It'd be fun, right? You'd get to know these people. It'd be something different. Yeah. And you'd be a dashing American fuck fox, and it would be amazing. (laughs) That Ah, man, what a great shirt that would be. Can you wear that anywhere, though? No. I mean, we need to get them made for when we do our um, our meetups. We can all have them together. That's like, if if I was to ever leave the country to do anything, what a great shirt. <laughs> you're, you're traveling abroad for a shirt that says Dashing American Fuck Fox. It's the kind of shirt that will get you not hired for a job in like eight years. <laughs> like somebody yeah. will pull that picture up from your Instagram and be like, yeah, I'm sorry. We're just, we, we can't go forward with this. It's only if you try to get into a British hen house, though. That's true. True. <laughs> well, uh, I'm sorry, sir, but your, your services are no longer needed at British Hen House Incorporated. <laughs> it seems to me that this is not going to be a good fit. At this point of the episode, this is when Jerry thinks the best way for them to all bond now is if Chris eats one of the jelly beans. And again, I don't know why it's like a callback, why he brings these jelly beans to begin with, why this is his peace offering. I don't know if that's something that gets explained later in the series. He really wants to feed her a jelly bean. And she she says no. And then everyone starts chanting jelly bean, jelly bean. And finally, she's like, fine, I'll have one. He's trying to feed her. That, like, get, yeah. Like, really He's trying to put it into her mouth. And she just, and that was so awkward because she just kept her mouth shut and it's just a, a shot of him just <laughs> rubbing a jelly bean along her lips while she's not opening her mouth. It was like Michael Scott trying to feed Kevin the broccoli. Yeah. <laughs> but eventually she's, she swipes it away and then takes one out of the, you know, the giant jug by herself and, and, and eats it and everyone just starts cheering. And the, the, you get that she's like sort of into it too, right? That she's like, I think that's what I was saying earlier. It's like, if she's king of the dipshits, that she kind of knows her position isn't exactly, yeah. you know, she's not calling the shots here. Right. There was a like an element of like wanting to be part of the team in that moment, I think. Yeah, she accepted the fact that what he was doing is maybe not a bad idea. But it also might be fun for her, too, the same way right. it's fun for him to have an adventure. He's going to shake things up a little, right? Somebody yeah. new comes in the office and they want to have make things a little different for you. It makes the day interesting. During the excitement of her eating the jelly bean, Jerry goes right back into playing Jerry Says and just yells, Jerry Says Fall. And then Mary, who's still blindfolded, falls into the printer, which finally fixes it. So that was like the payoff to this episode-long joke. And you just hear someone go, Jerry fixed the printer. (laughs) See, I appreciate the follow-up and everything. I just don't think it needs to be mentioned as many times. I think it would have been funnier. And then the follow-up of what comes out of the printer, I think, is a great joke. Yeah, she starts printing out photos of Matthew McConaughey that 
Joseph probably tried printing it's days the same ago. Photo over and over. over, and over. over. He yeah. probably kept yeah. trying to print it, and it wasn't coming out of the printer. So he probably just kept hitting print <laughs> yeah. over and over again. If they hadn't made the joke so many times, it would have been so much funnier. But it still worked. I still think it's funny, and the the stinger is really good too. Yeah, and, and it ends with uh, him saying like, "This is why they sent me here." See, and then yeah, it starts to go into a um like a quick piece of the credit, and immediately the stinger hits. And I thought this was really weird, actually. It was like the final shot, the end of the night, really, and someone's leaving, and Joseph's like alone at a desk holding a paper shredder, just shredding all these photos of Matthew McConaughey that printed out. Which somebody had mentioned him being like the Dwight earlier. Uh, I mean, um, Joseph being the Dwight, not Joseph, I'm sorry, uh, Jerry being the Dwight earlier. And the episode literally ends with how the episode of The Office begins with yeah. Dwight with the shredder. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was I feel like that was a punishment. They were like, they, they found all those and they said, now you can stay that could be and true. shred all these. Well, as long as he didn't put a shopping bag in there, he'll be fine. And it was a weird like perspective of from the inside of the shredder. So you just see like the picture like coming out at you. It was um a very interesting way to end the episode, to say the least. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> I concur. You are correct, sir. <laughs> but yeah, that 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 concludes intelligence. Uh, I don't know if there's anything else that you guys wanted to say in regards to the show before we move forward, but this is your opportunity. Yeah, not let's green light or cancel. Yeah, let's just move right on. I have a big fucking hunch that it's time for green light or cancel. All right, so I'm gonna go in the order. I see you guys in Ferg. We're starting with you. All right, so I just want to say before I start, this this show is like. It's like beautifully shot. I don't know if the, the, the camera work is really clear. It doesn't look like a sitcom or, or like a TV show. It almost looks like a movie at parts. But And I, I talked a lot of shit about the show. It's really not as bad as I made it out to be, but it's not good either. And I just I don't think they knew what it was. And I think they threw a lot of shit at the wall and some stuck, some didn't. The fact that they didn't know the character yet or anything like that. It just didn't work for me, and I, you know, I was bored for a lot of it, so that's gonna be a cancel for me. Nick? Yeah, it was a strange show. I didn't really know. I actually watched the pilot twice because I watched it a while back when I thought we were doing it, and we ended up not doing it, and so I had to watch it again. I didn't, I, I thought maybe you guys were a little hypercritical of it at times. It's not like I don't know how to explain it, really. It's different in a sense that, like, it's not shot like a regular sitcom, obviously. But it's obvious that that that's what they're trying to do. I think it does have potential. We've seen plenty of shows that we love where the pilot isn't amazing. This show, I believe, is on its second season, but it does that weird European, you know, like, six-episode seasons. And I don't know if they've been greenlit for a third season yet, but I'm going to greenlight it because I do want to watch the second episode and see if this gets any better. I'm on the fence, kind of like we were last week. I don't know which way it'll end up going, but I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt with a green light to start. Joe. Yeah, I think I could agree with Nick almost word for word there, right? Like, I was being a little more harsh on it. I rewatched it again. So I saw the episode twice. The second time I was like, I don't know. I think I like this more, aside from a few jokes here and there that I was like, oh, this is good. I think we may have been a little too critical on it. But I also feel like sometimes we'll greenlight a show because we think that there's promise for other episodes, right? The point of a pilot is, do I want to see another episode? I think this reminds me of a show like The Office or Parks and Rec, where I'm like, the bones of something super funny are there, especially with the type of weirdo ensemble cast, and you really can't judge the entirety of it on one episode. So I I do want to watch another one. I want to see how it goes. I always liked David Schwimmer. I mean, when we did Friends, I even said, like, I don't love this show, but I think he's funny. And I think that translates well, and I would for sure greenlight it. Gordo. 
Getting a little emotional. I am getting a little emotional. He's all choked up about it. Uh, no, I, I'm going to cancel this. I agree with Berg that it was shot very beautifully. Things just lasted a little bit too long for me, and not in the funny Monty Python way, in the just hurry up with it, hurry up with the gag. I I don't know. It just doesn't does not do it for me. It's a cancel. I got nothing else to say. It's a cancel. Ooh, tiebreaker, Jack. Tiebreaker, and it's a British show, so I think we know how it goes. Yeah. I have not canceled every British show we've done. All but one. It's the J-Way. However, <laughs> I am going to cancel this one. And it, it's for a few reasons. I didn't think the show is terrible, terrible, but I watched it twice. I watched it like once over just straight up, and then a second time when I do all my notes and stuff. And I just found it very boring. It was really hard for me to just focus and watch the show. I didn't feel like a lot was happening. And like I said, David Schwimmer's character, I just felt like I didn't know who this guy is at all. And it just, I don't think that that was an intentional move. I think that it was just lazy writing or he doesn't know how to play the character yet, but something just wasn't clicking with him. And I didn't understand who I'm watching. And when, when that's the main character, it was, it was making it hard for me to follow along because I don't really know if I'm supposed to like this guy or hate this guy. Not a lot, like, for me that made me curious about episode two. Now, I didn't hate it, hate it. So if you guys keep watching it and say, hey, you know what? It actually gets pretty good. You should check it out. I wouldn't be opposed to it. I would revisit it if someone guided me in that direction. But on my own, having just watched the first episode, no, there's not really any interest in watching anymore. So, yeah, it's going to be a cancel for me. So, you know, when all said and done, guys, it's only... Two out of five. So sorry to intelligence. You do not get the green light from us. You do not live to see episode two. So uh, again, apologies, but um, that's just the way it goes. Rest in peace. We've made the swim sad. So yeah, oh, my heart. But uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> but in any event, guys, go to s1e1pod.com. That's where you can find the links to everywhere to follow us in on uh, social media or where to listen to us. s1e1pod.com. Again, Twitter, Instagram, s1e1pod. Subscribe, follow us, spread the word, let everyone know that we exist. Tell us what you want to hear. Tell us what you like and don't like about the show. Please leave a review. That's uh, that's really big for us. So on Spotify and on iTunes, you can leave reviews. So we encourage you to do that. But engage in our social media. Tweet at us. Comment on our uh, Instagram post. It does a lot for us. means a lot. We like to interact with you guys. But that's all the time we have for this week, guys. Catch you next week. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye, Mantis. <laughs>show was so boring joe had nothing to quote from the episode <laughs> i think you got the best i got a little dick it's pathetic <laughs>